0: Do you hate editing your videos? Well, in this episode of Pushing Pixels, we're gonna talk about a few ways you can avoid having to edit your videos, or at the very least minimize how much editing you have to do. Hey, I'm Michael Kinney. Welcome to episode two of Pushing Pixels, where we try to share insights, advice, tips, and strategies for surviving and thriving as an online video creator. Thank you so much for being here. And right off the top of this episode, I just want to admit, I want to confess that I love editing videos. Well, I love editing my own videos. And the reason is because there's just this amazing transformation that happens when you take Uh, Some footage, some raw footage, some images, some sound, and you bring it all together and create this, you know, hopefully, (laughs) if you're doing it right, an engaging uh, piece of communication that inspires, entertains, informs, educates a viewer. That, That transformation for me is incredibly powerful and very fulfilling. And I can't tell you how many times as a video creator working in television for 20 years... How many times I've taken a project that at the beginning seemed like it was at the very best mediocre or worse and saved it in the edit suite and that transformation being able to do that is incredibly fulfilling. In fact, there are some projects I worked on where there was really no story or a rough story, more of an outline of an idea going into it and a bunch of footage was shot, a lot of stuff was created. And we actually created the story in the edit suite from the footage. So editing is a very powerful tool. I also really like the technology around editing. I really like the the software. I nerd out over the software and the tools. And for me, editing, it's going to sound kind of weird, but it's kind of therapeutic. It's kind of like sitting down with a, a massive jigsaw puzzle. And putting it all together and at the end getting this great image. that That's what editing is for me. I've been editing for a long time. I started editing video in the late 1980s when I started in television. Back then, we didn't get to push the buttons. Because the equipment back then, the, the tools for editing, they were so complicated, so expensive. There was a highly trained person who would push the buttons and make the edits happen. Working in production, writing and coming up with the ideas, before we went to bring our ideas to be edited, we had to create what's called a paper edit. We had to edit on paper. Now you might be asking, how do you do that? <laughs> well, basically you're, you're looking at a copy of the, the, the footage that's been recorded that has what's called time code, which is basically an index system burned into the video. And so we would watch that video on, back then, VHS machines. (laughs) So we would get VHS viewing copies of the footage that was shot. We'd we'd screen the VHS copies and use the time indexes to indicate when a, a shot would start and when a shot would end. And we would do a whole video like that. So at the end of the process, you would probably have, depending on how long the video was, five, six... Seven pages of this time code that was basically your edit decision list. That was your edit. You edited on paper. Then you brought that into the big expensive edit suite. The technician would load up the master tapes into the machines and you would tell them the time codes to go to in order to find the right shots. And you would go through that process, laying in shot after shot, going by time code. And that was the editing process. I edited on paper for my first ten years in broadcasting. That was an interesting process, and a very great, it was a great process for developing your editing skill because you really had to visualize what was going on. You had to edit in your head a lot, and then you would make these these paper edits. It wasn't until two thousand and two, um, actually, if I back up, in the late nineties, I started playing with Final Cut Pro. That's when Final Cut Pro came out and I'd been playing with it on my own, but it wasn't until 2002 that I actually started to edit, edit a show that was broadcast on television. And I edited a drama series, ended up being almost over 100 episodes of a drama series I edited on Final Cut Pro on a laptop that was broadcast um, nationally here in Canada. So that's when I really started to sit down and edit. And I was editing drama. Um, Before that, I had been doing paper edits for documentaries and other sort of news type programming. But this was drama I was doing, which was a whole different animal. And so since then, when I went freelance, I've been editing various projects for broadcast and for clients, uh, corporate clients, using Final Cut Pro and then later Adobe Premiere Pro, kind of going between the two. I've edited all kinds of content. I've edited news, documentaries, educational content training, corporate videos, commercials, and as I mentioned, dramas. I have a lot of experience editing, which is probably why I enjoy it. But I know why people don't enjoy it. Editing is a difficult skill. To master, never mind master. Just to execute. I don't know if you ever master. You're always learning as an editor, or you should be, because the styles of editing change, the technology changes, the different methods of telling stories, audiovisual stories changes. So you're always learning. Editing is a challenge on its own, just as a skill to sort of to pick up. But it's also very technical, right? You have to know how to operate the software, and some of the software. Final Cut Pro, Adobe Premiere Pro, DaVinci Resolve can be complex. It can have a steep learning curve. So you need to be able to handle the technology, not to mention all the sort of idiosyncrasies behind video, things like frame rates, aspect ratios, codecs, compression, all that kind of stuff. Editing requires an acute attention to detail. It really does because so much of editing... Is yes, it's technical. Yes, you need to understand the concepts of video storytelling, you know, how to put shots together to tell a story. But a lot of editing is feel, it's rhythm, it's feeling it in your gut. And that requires attention to detail. You have to be constantly paying attention to every aspect, everything on the screen, every edit, the timing, what's going on. Editing, and this is the thing that I think throws a lot of people is incredibly repetitive. You're basically, you're editing together a shot, you're previewing the edit, you're adjusting the edit, you're previewing the edit again, you're adjusting the edit again, and so on and so forth until the edit is right for you and you move on to the next one and you go through that same process. It can be very repetitive, and for a lot of people, that's too much. <laughs> they, 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 they don't like that. Editing also takes time. I think that's the biggest thing. Editing takes a lot of time. All that previewing and, and then, you know, looking back, adjusting, previewing again. And then if you want to build in things like effects, and, you know, that takes a lot of work too and adjustment. It's not fast. Editing is not fast. And the more complex uh, the piece, the video, generally, the longer it's going to take to edit. So editing is time-consuming. When I worked in television, uh, some of my friends, you know, you would have that take your, you know, take your child to work day. And sometimes my friends would ask me, because I worked in television, they thought it was really cool. They would say, hey, can my, you know, my son or daughter shadow you at your job to watch how you make a TV show? I think it'd be exciting for them. And I would say, "Um, okay, <laughs> but it, it may not be what you expect. Oh, no, that's fine, Mike. Just... If we can. OK, fine. And so the young young woman or young man would shadow me at work and I would try to make sure the day is the most exciting day. So I maybe be in the studio shooting or in the edit suite. And a lot of times they wanted to see the edit suite. <laughs> so I would try, you know, coordinate to have an edit session and we'd go into the edit suite and they'd always be impressed. It's like dimly lit, all these machines and lights and I have my editor sitting over here, and then I would sit in the chair beside with my big monitor to preview, and they would sit in the back and they would watch and we'd start editing, and they would last about 20 minutes, and they'd be so bored (laughs) that they would want to leave because it's incredibly repetitive. And unless you're you know what's going on, it's just it's just not something that you want to be watching. It's not terribly sexy or exciting, and that's just the nature of the work. So I can understand why some video creators don't like editing on, on the surface. It looks sexy, but once you get into it again, it takes a lot of focus. It's laborious. It's repetitive and it takes a lot of time, not a ton of positives. So what if you don't like editing? Can you still make videos? Yes, you can. There's a number of different types of workflows for creating video that don't involve editing. One of the most obvious is going live, right? Live streaming doesn't require post-production. You just push live, you deliver, you, you do your live stream, and when you hit finish, you're done. Your content is created, you can move on to the next one. Very attractive. Another thing about live streaming is because you're live, that kind of causes the adrenaline to flow, and you have a certain energy with live streaming that, you know, sometimes you don't have when you're doing pre recorded videos. So that's a bit of a plus. The other plus with live streaming is you connect with an audience. You get to interact with an audience in near real time, which is kind of a unique experience and another great way to build. Your, your reputation, your content, your authority is to interact with an audience and be there for them to answer their questions and reply to their comments. The other great thing about live streaming is, and I think this is a big advantage, is that you create a lot of content. You know, if you're going live for an hour, hour and a half, two hours, that's two hours of content that you just created, which is, is a big advantage. And if you want to, if you want to do some minimal editing afterwards, you can repurpose that two-hour live stream into clips that you can share on other platforms. So live streaming is a great way to create content without having to do post-production. However, there are, in my mind, a few cons to live streaming. One of them is it's very technical. You know, you have to be aware of certain uh, video aspects when you're live streaming. Things like your bandwidth, how much bandwidth you're going to need for live streaming, what's your internet connection. What do you need in terms of if you want to live stream in HD 1080 or 720 or you have to know that stuff. Other things like how your camera is going to connect to your software, how the different elements, your microphone, all that other stuff is going to connect with your software. What software are you going to use? How complex is your software for live streaming? So there's a lot of technical aspects you have to sort of be aware of, particularly when you're going live and if something fails... You need to know how to fix it, so you have to have some understanding of the technical stuff. Uh, Live streaming, let's face it, can be scary for people, right? You're going live in front of people, and that can cause a lot of anxiety for folks. There's a lot to keep track of in a live stream, particularly if your live stream is complex, has a lot of different elements. You know, if you're doing screen sharing, you're bringing in pre-recorded video, you're bringing in interviews. You know, you have to also check the chat periodically and manage that. So there's a lot of different balls you have to be juggling in the air with live streaming, which can be, you know, a lot for some folks. A good live stream also, in my opinion, requires preparation. So even though you're not spending time afterwards doing post-production, a good live stream has a, a fair amount of preparation. So if you're preparing graphics or... Things you're going to screen share or pre recorded videos, uh, building things like overlays, graphical overlays for your live stream, things like that take time. So you need to do some preparation. Other thing about live streaming is you have to set a time and you have to show up at that time and go live, or people will, you know, they'll be disappointed and they won't come back. So there's a bit of deadline pressure involved with live streaming and for some people that kind of deadline pressure can produce some anxiety and so live streaming can sometimes be a bit of a challenge the other thing about live streaming that's you know it's it's the reality and it's very disappointing is that people may not show up right if you don't promote the live stream well enough or maybe people aren't interested in your topic they 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 may not show up or a few people may show up, and that can be demoralizing uh, for folks. so that's one of the things of live streaming that is it can be a bit of a con. Now, another way to create videos without having to edit is kind of related to live streaming, and it's called what well, we used to call it live to tape, or I guess we would call it today live to drive. You're basically coming at it as if you're doing a live show. But you're recording it and a lot of tv shows you watch your late night talk shows sitcoms other types of programming are done this way it's live to tape or live to to drive where you're doing it as if it's a live show and you're recording it and this is a great way to create content because there again there's no post-production you don't have to have post-production you can still have that same energy as if you were going live The other great thing about it is there's no deadline pressure, right? You don't have to go live at a specific time on a specific day. You can do it whenever you want to. And so that's, you know, that's that kind of flexibility is nice and is not as it's not as scary going live to drive. (laughs) I keep wanting to say live to tape. Going the live to drive is in most cases not as scary as going live for people. So that kind of takes a bit of that pressure off. And again, like live streaming, you can create a lot of content with live-to-drive production. You can make an hour, two hours, but at the same time, it's very flexible and you can do as little as you want. You could do a live-to-drive five-minute video if you want to. So you got all that flexibility um, to create videos of different lengths, which is a real plus. The other great thing, about live to drive production and I remember back in my TV days we used to do this a lot is you can actually record several episodes of a video of a series in one day so for example I worked on a series back in the early 2000s we were on every day but we did all of our recording on the Monday so we did live to drive recording of all of our shows for the week on the Monday and then they were delivered later on in the week so you have that flexibility with live-to-drive production. And like live streaming, if you have a big chunk of content, like a two-hour live-to-drive production, you can clip that up and uh, share those clips on social media. And if you must, you can still edit. If you have a catastrophic failure, (laughs) you can still edit, or you can at least start again with the recording. But having said that, that's kind of one of the cons of live to drive uh, production, along with some other things like it is technical, like live streaming. So you have all the same elements, cameras, microphones, screen shares, interview guests, pre-recorded videos, whatever elements uh, you're still having to do all of that. Um, You don't have to worry about bandwidth, which is a plus, but it's still, you know, there's still a lot of uh, things you have to juggle with the live to drive production. It still requires preparation. In fact, I would say that live to drive production requires more preparation than live streaming because you wanna make sure that your your everything's in order so that when you go to record, you can just get it done, execute, and be done. So to have the least amount of friction as possible during recording, you need to be really prepared. One of the biggest, I guess, disadvantages of live to drive production is that it's not very good for perfectionists. So if you are a perfectionist, you may be challenged with the live to drive production workflow because you may be tempted if you make a little mistake to stop and start again with a recording or after your recording is done, take your video and edit it like it's like you would a, a, a regular production, which defeats the purpose of live to drive production. The whole advantage of it is. You know, you're going it's like you're going live and you're recording and that's where you really reap the benefits as soon as you start doing several takes as soon as you start doing a lot of editing and post well now you're just making a regular video so you, you know, you're not getting all the advantages of the workflow. Now, another way to create video with, I guess, a minimal amount of editing is to make short form content to make shorts or reels or or tick I guess, because with with short form content, 30 seconds to a minute, there isn't a great audience expectation for a ton of edits as it is for longer uh, content that's five or six minutes long. You'd be hard-pressed to keep an audience member's attention for five to six minutes on one shot. That, that would be really challenging. Where 30 seconds isn't that much of a problem. So you can not edit at all or have minimal editing with short-form content. And Short-form content is becoming so popular now on all of the different uh, platforms, online video sharing platforms, including YouTube. But as popular as short form content is becoming on all the major video sharing platforms, shorts may not fit into your content strategy. Now, if you don't want to do any editing, not even minimal editing, well, then don't edit. Have someone else edit for you. Outsource your editing. And that's what a lot of of the bigger YouTubers do. They outsource their editing to other editors, which allows them to focus on other things, it frees them up, gives them time to, to create other content or you know, to have a life maybe. Now there are a number of places where you can engage or employ freelance editors, places like Fiverr and other organizations that offer freelance editors. And if you can afford it, because it does cost, it may be a great option if you don't want to edit. However, there are some, in my opinion, downsides i don't know, downsides but challenges with outsourcing your editing one is as i mentioned before the cost if you you know depending on what they charge and if you have a lot of videos to edit the cost could be prohibitive for you particularly if you're a solo creator the other thing about outsourcing your video editing is the kind of relationship you have with your editor that can be a challenge particularly when you're just starting out. Even when I worked in broadcast and I, you know, we had a pool of editors we would work with, if there was an editor that I hadn't worked with before, it could take a few hours of editing for us to sort of get in sync with each other and understand how, you know, we communicate and just sort of get a feel for our taste and and what what we're looking for while we're editing. And the same thing happens when you're outsourcing your video editing to a freelance editor, you have to get to know the editor. And if you don't have a good relationship with the editor, you can be having a lot of back and forth, having to send the edit back to have them change it over and over again. And so now that becomes a whole other issue and a time waster and can become expensive. So that's one of the challenges of outsourcing your editing is making sure you get a good relationship or develop a good relationship with your freelance editor. But if you can find an editor that you can work with and have a good relationship, again, that frees you up to create more content and and frees you up to do other things. And a lot of times it can prevent burnout, particularly important if you are starting to expand your video creation endeavors and have a lot of videos or a lot of different channels that you're operating. So there are a number of different ways that you can create videos without editing. But personally, I think it's important for all video creators to learn how. To edit. And there's one big reason for that because I found in my career that my knowledge of editing really helped my recording or shooting in the field. Because in the edit suite, I would know, or in the edit suite, <laughs> when I'm editing, I would know what shots I would need, what shots would be important to tell my story. And so when I'm out recording, On a project I would know what shots to get for me I got so experienced at editing that on projects when I was out in the field directing the shoot I would have a lot of occasions where the camera person or the production assistant would say oh Mike would you want a shot of this or should we do a shot of that and I would say no I'll never use it because I've already edited the video in my head I I would edit as I was shooting or recording, and I would know what I would need, which would save a lot of time and effort and energy. So learning how to edit really informs how well you can record or shoot. And that's why I think every video creator, you don't have to become a master editor, but you should at least understand the language of editing, the language of video storytelling, because that will help you in all the different aspects of video creation but after everything I've said if you still don't want to edit your video don't let that stop you from creating video okay as I've described in this episode there are different workflows that you can use to create video without editing just keep pushing through keep pushing out those pixels well that's a wrap on this episode of pushing pixels be sure to check out the video version of the podcast on YouTube link in the show notes and while you're there hit that like button And be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. I hope this episode brought you some value. And if it did, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you have topic ideas for future episodes, please drop them in the comments over on our website, pushingpixelshow.com, or on our social media channels. Those links are also in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. And I'll talk to you in the next episode.